0: This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. David Granite, and welcome to Health Matters. It's all many people talk about. You can't open a magazine or turn on television without hearing about weight loss and obesity. There are shows dedicated to it. It's what gyms are for. It's why all these places pop up to help you lose weight. Well, why? Why does it matter if you're overweight? Are a lot of people overweight? What do we know about this? What don't we know about this? How do we deal with it? Well, we need an expert, and we have one right here. Dr. Alan Saltiel. welcome. Thank you. Dr. Saltiel is a professor of medicine here at UC San Diego School of Medicine, and he's director of the Comprehensive Diabetes Center here. Um, you know, we're going to, I just said you're head of the diabetes center, but I was talking about obesity. We're going to make that connection in a moment. But I think that if we start talking about what's now being called an epidemic of obesity, we probably need to define what is obesity.
1: Well, that's a, a good point, David. I mean, we are indeed in some kind of epidemic and we don't really understand this, but since 1980, there's really been almost a doubling of rates of obesity. Uh, Right now in the United States, a third of our population is obese and another third is overweight. So only a minority of people are actually of a normal
0: weight right now. How do we define a normal weight, overweight, and obesity?
1: Well, we have a lot of ways to do this. There's this thing called the body mass index or the BMI, which is probably not a great measure of this. It's a rough measure. Uh, A BMI is some kind of a measure of your weight per your height over your height. And a BMI of 25 or below is thought to be healthy. 25 to 30 is overweight,
0: and over 30 is obese. I remember when I was learning about some of this, there were almost insurance company actuarial tables that you could literally tell by someone's BMI what their expected lifespans were. Yes. And
1: those are those are roughly true I mean they're not they're not very exact, and I think some of the some of the techniques now are going to probably be better uh, and more accurate determinations of this. you know you can have a a body builder with a very high BMI who's very
0: fit sure. and in great shape so. but but in general, the implication was that this affected your lifespan uh, you know and that's that's a, a, a sobering thought as soon as you step back and start saying that and I think it's true um, now. There are a lot of people who think they know a lot about this. And, and one of the quotes I saw that you had, which I loved, uh, was, as much as we know, we actually know very little, and that scientists are the people who recognize how little we know.
1: Right. That's the, one of the great things about being a scientist. Every day you learn how much you don't know. And- <laughs> It, it is really true, and I think it separates us from a lot of people, and we're comfortable with understanding that we don't know everything, and that's what drives us.
0: Yeah, and and the the, the desire to answer the question, uh, and to to know more about it. So, uh, so let's let's either either create myths or explode myths or or, or confirm it. Is obesity a, a lifestyle issue?
1: Well. It's a really tough question, and it's kind of coupled to this question of whether or not obesity is really a disease or not. And there's controversy about this. And, you know, I come down on the side of thinking it is a disease. I've never met anybody in my life yet who wants to be obese. Um, I think that the forces that drive us to consume food and then store it as energy are very, very powerful. And I think that's really what drives the... The, the obesity epidemic, I think. Although I have to say, I don't, I don't really understand why there's an epidemic. There are a lot of factors. Uh, a lot of people are trying to understand this and work on it. Um, you know, factors like a sedentary lifestyle that we probably have has probably increased since 1980. The development of the personal computer and television and things like that. Um, the availability of food, uh, the, the the processing of food, the makeup of food right now, particularly the presence of corn syrup which is high in fructose is probably a, an issue. But there have been a lot of other theories about the obesity epidemic, a viral origin, you know, which is not as crazy as it sounds. There might be a viral origin. There's a lot of talk about uh, something called intestinal dysbiosis, which means the, the bacteria in your gut are messed up somehow, and it's somehow contributing to, it, to, to obesity. So there's probably some kind of combination of all these things that, that's giving rise to this epidemic.
0: Some of what you said was heresy not so long ago. Uh, I had uh, um, Dr. McKnight on talking about the microbiome and, and those changes. That was, that was craziness, you know, not so long ago, virus craziness. And now, But that's the part where you talk about how little we know.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: And, and, and what you're studying now. So um, if you don't understand where all this comes from, how do you design a plan to help someone? Right.
1: Um, and that's a good question. And I think, in my view, you do it by dissecting the components. So I'm a reductionist as a scientist, and I, I like to try to dissect what the individual components are. Um, I, I think we have to understand when it comes to uh, weight and diabetes, too, which is connected and we'll talk about hopefully uh, soon, is that, you know, there, there are powerful, you know, that the evolution tells us that a famine is just around the corner. So our bodies have not caught up yet with the fact that uh, in, our, in a modern time, famines are pretty much a thing of the past, for it, at least in the Western world. And so our, but our bodies think there's a famine coming. So there are powerful forces that tell us to eat and eat and eat and store that energy in the most efficient way we can, which is as fat. So we, store, we eat a lot, we store energy as fat, assuming that there's a famine just around the corner and we're, we're trying to prepare our, ourselves for the famine. So these forces are really strong, and the question is what are the, um, what are the hormones, what are the signals that go on between all the different components of energy metabolism and balance, the brain, the liver, the fat cell, the gut, the muscle, you know, all these different factors and tissues talk to each other all the time, to 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 try to control energy well the uh, the word we use is homeostasis which is kind
0: of the balance of energy use and storage we we mentioned earlier that the as the bmi changed the, the your longevity might change um, the The connection to that is a disease, and one of the major diseases uh, when you get overweight is diabetes.
1: Yes, it's the granddaddy of all the complications of obesity, for sure. But
0: there are others, you know,
1: people who have high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, asthma, not quite as as well established, psoriasis. And the big thing that we're learning now is cancer. You know, there's a big big increase in the incidence of cancer
0: associated with obesity. So um, none of those are good. None. <laughs> you know, just to put it simply, uh, we didn't even talk about sleep disorders you know th- yes. that go on with this as well. So let, let's tackle um, the big boy on the block, and the one that you deal with all the time, is, um, is diabetes. And first, what is the connection, and, and why does that happen? And there's more than one type of diabetes, so let's see if we can tease all that out and help people understand why these are connected. Right.
1: So in terms of diabetes, there's two types of diabetes predominantly. There are other subtypes, but there are two types of diabetes, type 1 and type 2. And there are different diseases. Type 1 diabetes is an immune disorder, um, kind of an autoimmune disorder, which occurs when the beta cells in your pancreas that make insulin are destroyed. So, so you your can't own body insulin. attacks your pancreas. It attacks your pancreas. It ma- it, so you can't make enough insulin or any insulin to control your blood sugar. And so you are absolutely dependent on uh, exogenous insulin, on injection of insulin. Um, And it it usually happens in kids. Weight independent. Weight independent. It usually happens in kids. We don't really understand why it happens to some people and not others. There is a a, a genetic component that we don't really understand. Um, And people
0: people who have type 1 diabetes must take insulin for the rest of their lives. Let's pause for just a second and explain what insulin does and what its role is.
1: Okay, that's, that's really a good and important question. So, you know, I've, I've worked on insulin since I don't even want to admit how long <laughs> it's been trying to understand how it works. Uh, insulin is the most important hormone in the body that instructs your cells to store energy. So it tells, it's, it's secreted when your blood sugar gets high, like after you eat, it sends a signal to these cells in the pancreas, the beta cells, and beta cells, in, in, in response to high sugar, secrete insulin. Insulin then travels into the bloodstream and tells your fat cells, your muscle cells, and liver cells to take up that energy and store it in those cells, especially in muscle and fat, and tells your liver to stop making its own sugar. So, so, so it tries to re- reduce the amount of sugar. It. It's a closed-loop system, it's, it's really nice, and then when the sugar comes down, the secretion of insulin is reduced. So it goes up after you eat, then it comes back down.
0: So it's, it's an important regulatory mechanism, and in diabetes, it's, that whole thing gets screwed up.
1: Right, so in type 1 diabetes, you're not making insulin, so your blood sugar goes up, and you need to exogenous. you need to inject insulin. In type 2 diabetes, What seems to be happening, at least initially, is that your cells don't respond to insulin as well, probably because they've accumulated all this energy, because you're overeating or not expending enough energy. So insulin is is no longer working. You develop a a syndrome that we call resistance to insulin, and that is really the beginning of a a pathway towards diabetes, the type
0: 2 kinds of diabetes. So this is like when I'm talking to my kids and they stop listening to me. I mean, you know, the cells are no longer listening to the the signal from insulin. And
1: exactly how that happens is not clear. That's something a lot of us are trying to understand. We're trying to understand how it works in the first place and then how it stops
0: working. So how does weight, now, if I lose weight, that system gets better?
1: Um, If you lose weight early on in type 2 diabetes, so when you're first becoming resistant to insulin, if you lose weight, you'll restore the sensitivity to insulin. So it's very interesting. It's a dynamic process. So I think about the fat cell. The the fat cell is the is the cell that stores a lot of this energy is fat. And you know, it's a really interesting cell. We used to think of it as just a depot to store energy. Now we know it's an endocrine cell. It secretes its own hormones. So when the fat cell Sees all this energy. It sees insulin. Insulin instructs the fat cell to store this energy. It takes it up. It's a plastic cell, so it gets bigger. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then when it gets really big, it secretes another hormone, a a hormone that we think of as an adipostat, like a a thermostat. The adipostat hormone, leptin, travels to the brain and tells you two things. One is stop eating, buddy, because you have enough energy. So it has this anorexic effect. It tells you to stop eating. But it also activates the nervous system to come back and send other hormones to your fat cells to tell you to start to use all that energy that you stored. So it's like it sticks these other hormones called adrenaline or epinephrine. It's like they they stick a needle in that fat cell and they let out some of the air. So it's a closed-loop system with insulin, leptin, and epinephrine.
0: And clearly, it goes wrong sometimes.
1: And then in obesity, it's very interesting. I think what happens in obesity is that you're bombarding your fat cells with glucose and lipid and other things. You're bombarding your fat cell with insulin. It's expanding and expanding. And finally, it says, I can't expand anymore. There's not room. Uh, And it says, enough nutrients and enough insulin. I can't take anymore. And so it develops resistance to that insulin.
0: And exactly how that happens is what's so interesting. And, and, and losing weight can get it back so it's not resistance anymore early on. Losing weight can get it back early
1: on so it's not resistant, and it, it does indeed work, but of course it's really hard to do
0: it. It's really hard to lose weight for a lot of reasons. What are those reasons? Because people, people want it. I mean, this is where it comes, you know, the, the rubber meets the road. Well, the, you know, this is
1: one of the reasons that I and a lot of other people think that obesity is a disease because, again, our body... Really works hard to defend our weight. They, they, we, our evolution is telling us: store energy, store energy. That famine is coming,
0: so our body really store really wants to store if energy. If you think about the the ancient man, caveman, the caveman, that getting food each day was their entire job. Exactly. That's and, all they wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I remember asking one of the guests on the show, if we went back and took somebody from a doctor or somebody from 200 years ago and brought them to the present, what would they think is the most astonishing thing? And I was thinking TV and radio. and all that. They said the supermarket. Yes. Because <laughs> they didn't have to fight for food. Right. So here we go. This is, this is new in all of the human history that we don't have to fight yeah. for food. It's very, very new. And I think that's the problem. Our bodies haven't yet
1: c- caught up with this change in, um, in our environment. But evolution still thinks you know that famine is coming. So what happens is, for example, and this has been evaluated over the last 10 or years or so, is that if you put people on a diet, and, and this is very well established now, if you put people on a diet, a real diet, so you really watch their food intake, they, they will lose weight. But their metabolism, which expends that energy, will slow down as a consequence to try to defend against that weight loss. So your body is fighting you when you're trying to lose weight. You know, there's basically, you know, an energy balance, there's just two things, energy intake and energy expenditure. And a calorie, of, you know, a calorie is a calorie. doesn't matter where it comes from. You can't lose weight. Or you can't gain weight unless energy intake exceeds energy expenditure. And you can't lose weight unless expenditure exceeds intake. But it's really hard to lose weight just by increasing energy intake because your energy expenditure will drop as a consequence to defend that
0: weight. So it, it sounds like... In, in, in four words, to lose weight, you need to eat less and exercise more. You do.
1: Well, you need to, you need to eat you need less, more. and you need to increase energy expenditure somehow. How do you increase energy okay. expenditure? So, and that's a really good question. So probably you know, the conventional way is to exercise. And exercise account, activity accounts for, I would say, about 20% or so of energy expenditure. So it's not the major way that we expend energy, which is a surprise, I think, to It us. is a surprise, but it is a controllable way. We, But it is the one controllable way, <laughs> so you know, and it influences the other way we expend energy. So if you exercise and diet, you can lose weight. Um, for some reason, and, you know, you, I, I think people who are obese or overweight and try to lose weight, the, the, you know, my experience is that people who are successful are the ones who are the most obsessive about this. And I, I, don't, I mean, in this case, obsessive in a good, in a good way. way, yeah. Right. And, I, you know, I'm one of those obsessive people about exercise, too. I mean, I think if you, if you really obsessively exercise and watch your diet, you can lose
0: weight. Yeah, I worked out this morning before we came to the studio yes, to and I did the too. shows. Yeah. Right. So, but, you know, we, we, we've finessed this a little bit by saying diet— but but the, the there's so many people who go how what what should I do what's good? you know if I eat ice cream all day is that bad even though it's less calories or, you know I mean and carbohydrates or proteins and they there are a million diets out there. Well, this is a controversial area.
1: Okay, so I I would say that um, you know I'm a scientist who 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 studies energy homeostasis and energy balance and uh, you know I think the first thing that's important to recognize is that. There's a physics law called, called the first law of thermodynamics. thermodynamics, and this says that a calorie cannot be dis- destroyed or formed. So a calorie is a calorie, and you know, a calorie coming in doesn't matter what that calorie is; it's got to be counteracted by calorie going out with the energy expenditure. So when you think about diets, it seems that if you if you study all the diets, the ones that work are the ones. Where the calories that come in are less than the cal- are, are less portion control, some portion control. But I would say that you know the the jury's out still. I mean, I think there are um, there are different diets that make you feel differently. There may be components of diet that have effects on kind of like drugs can have an effect on craving for food or whether or not you you sense uh, satiety or whether or not they can activate some pr- process of energy expenditure or change energy s- storage. So it might be that they change the balance a little bit, tweak the, the mechanisms of expenditure of
0: energy or storage. So, you know, I wouldn't say all diets are equal, but calories are really important. But it's interesting to hear scientists talking about this because you go back to that, that sentence we opened with about how much we know and what we don't know. And what what I hear you saying is there's a lot about Components of diets that we still don't know, true. Uh, and it's empirical, and people have to eat, so they they try whatever that works for them. Right. But and they true, and they as, as they should, they should they should try what works for them. Um, there's a television show called The Biggest Loser, <laughs> where uh, they, you know they 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 really push them in exercise, they watch what they eat. Um, from what you're saying, at least that beginning component of it isn't crazy. It's the it's the getting obsessed and keeping obsessed about it that that. Because there are a lot of people who, when the show is over, they gain their weight back. Yeah.
1: You know, you, it's, it's very hard to sustain this. Again, your body's working against you, you know, it wants to lose weight. And there's all, it's also clear that there, there are some people predisposed to gain more or less weight. Um, the less weight people are probably the abnormal people. You know, I think that the, most people will gain weight over their lifetime. It's just normal. Um, so I think there are some people who don't gain weight at all. Those are the weird people. really, When you think about it, my <laughs> dad—my dad was one of those people. He too. didn't weight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: right. he never gained a pound in so his whole life. Short of exercise, are there any other things that you know? You're an energy storage and expert. What else can people do?
1: Right. Well, you know, we—I well, we, we mean, I, I would say this is an area where science has really gotten very excited, and the research on these other areas of energy expenditure has he, heated up to. to to use a pun and the reason I say heat it up is that the big thing that people are excited about now is this process called thermogenesis which is the generation of heat in our bodies and we have a process to generate heat we have we have um, different kinds of fat cells in our body and there are these fat cells called brown fat cells or in some cases beige fat cells uh, whose job it is to who who have something called uncoupling So they they uncouple energy um, synthesis from heat, and they can generate a little bit of heat. And we think that if we can just tweak that process a little bit to increase the generation of heat, we might be able to increase energy expenditure just a little bit. How much of a bang you'll get for that buck in terms of weight loss is not clear yet. But it might be that in combination with diet or, or maybe with the drug that regulates uh, food intake or c- craving or something like that, you might be able to really l- lose weight. So the research now is focused on trying to understand how thermogenesis and how the, the generation of heat in these f- f- fat cells is controlled, how the, how the cells themselves are developed, what happens in those cells how they respond to other hormones like epinephrine.
0: Right. So without this research, we don't go forward and we don't get a better knowledge and understanding. Uh, what are you working on that you're really excited about right now and what do you need to do more? Yeah, I, this, this is
1: you know, a great question. Um, in my lab, we're, we're really interested in um, two things. One is the, the connection between obesity and diabetes. So why does insulin resistance happen in fat cells and liver cells? Um, and how does that all happen and what are the processes? Um, and the other question is why is it that energy expenditure drops so much in obesity and, or in weight loss and how do we try to tweak that? And, and these things are linked and they're linked because we think and a lot of other people now think that one of the ways in which cells uh, cease to respond to insulin is through, is through developing something called inflammation. So there's this obesity induces through processes that we don't understand at all, really. Induces a state of inflammation, just like you get when you have a wound or when you have arthritis or something like that. It's the same kind of a thing. You become, your fat cells become inflamed in response to obesity. And it's the inflammation that causes you to stop responding to hormones, to insulin, and maybe also to epinephrine. Wow. So you become, basically, your cells become inflexible. Now, initially this inflammatory response is probably okay. You know, it's, a, it's an adaptive response because you're overeating, you're storing all this energy, and inflammation is helping you deal with all this extra energy. But I think it transitions to a maladaptive response, just like happens in arthritis, yeah, where the long-term right. effects are, are bad. Negative. So the question is, can you use different kinds of anti-inflammatory therapies to,
0: to combat weight and diabetes? And the idea that inflammation is uh, a final causative part of this is not unique in obesity nor arthritis. Uh, there was just a report, schizophrenia may be related to inflammation, lots of heart disease and all the other. So, so this is a, a, a common unifier. What do you need to keep doing this work that we need you to do so that we can get some answers? Yeah.
1: Um, we, you know, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, we, we need resources, of course. That's the obvious thing. And we need to get, we need to, but we need to excite young people into this area of science. We think it's really exciting. We need to keep our focus on the basic pathways that are involved because we're not going to make any progress unless we really understand how does insulin work? How does the fat cell talk to the brain? You know, how does the liver talk to muscle. Core issues about (laughs) physiology and cell biology and biochemistry and molecular biology. Before we can go on and really tackle some of these things in the clinic, at the same time, we need to be aware that we can learn a lot in clinical studies. We can now get biopsies from obese patients, take out their fat cells, study all the genes that are changed. We can we can create a biological atlas of the changes in the fat cell that might occur in, in response to weight loss or
0: drugs or, or exercise, whatever. Do you think it's science fiction to say that one day we will have, uh, the ability to really alter people's metabolism, change the way they respond to insulin, maybe even affect the immune system. I mean, is that science fiction or are we, we looking at the point now where we don't know the date, but that's going to be science fact.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I hate that question because all, science, you know, all scientists hate this question. When, when are we going to know blah, blah, blah? And, but it's, you know, you it, know it, I, it, is it I, real? It's, it's real. I think it's, it's certainly, it's a, fan, it's a fantasy, but I think it's a good fantasy, and I think we can understand it. We are going to learn a lot more about what we don't know as we go forward. I mean, if you'd asked me something 10 years ago, what's the big, what are the next big discoveries? I would have gotten it wrong, probably. Um, But I would not have known about these really cool things that we would have learned in in the future.
0: You don't even know what you don't know.
1: Don't know what you don't know. We'll learn what we don't know, and then we'll attack those things. And then we'll learn more stuff that we don't know.
0: So are we crawling, walking, or running right now?
1: Uh, I think we're doing all three.
0: Okay. (laughs) Um, We just don't know when each of those components is coming at us. In the very short time that we have left, people are sitting there. They've got to do things today. What are the one or two top things you would say to people that they can do uh, in terms of their health weight relationship? Um,
1: I, I think, you know, they need to think about calories. It's 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 not fun, but I think it's really important. I think they need to move around. Um, there's it's not just actually ex- it's, you know, I I'm a strong advocate for exercise and, I, and I'm an I'm an advocate for ritualized exercise. So, you know, pick a time, do it every day or every other day. But just getting up off your butt and just getting out there and moving, fidgeting, any kind of movement. You know, I wear a, I don't know if you wear, I one. I, I wear a, um, a monitor, you know, and I think these things are, I mean, for me it's just a lot of fun. I know I'm gonna do it anyway, but I, I like to, you know, I like to measure and track things. But I think uh, moving and, and thinking about calories
0: and keeping abreast of all these changes. And in terms of the calories, do what works for you. Great advice. Thank you so much for spending some time with us, but more importantly for the work that you're doing in your lab and, and great science. I've been talking with Dr. Alan Saltiel about really something that is crucial, and I hope everybody was listening, because you had one of the world's leading scientists who understands obesity, insulin, diabetes, the best that we have right now, telling you that there's a lot we still don't know. We need him in his lab. We need him doing all this hard work, synthesizing this information so that we can learn more. That's why we have academic medical centers. That's the value of what we do here. But if you learn more, your health gets better. That is the power of knowledge. And that's what we do here on Health Matters. We'll see you again next time. I'm Dr. David Granite. Mm-hmm.